is expecting you. Hello. Welcome to Thoughts from Atwu, the Avatar podcast where we know the future. Today we will be discussing Book 3, Episode 14, The Firebending Masters. We are in the home stretch, everyone. This is, this is you know, Zuko has joined the group. We are powering forward to the finale. Today I am joined by Charles. Hey, what's up? And nobody else, because Corey is off doing God knows what with God knows who. <laughs> but we have maintained our quota of having someone with a C first name on our episodes. I mean, <laughs> wasn't 50% of the original lineup people's whose name who started with C? That's true. That's true. And like around 50% of our guests? These, uh, yeah, just about. Actually, I don't know. <laughs> really, it's Chris. Chris. Char- yeah, Chris. Charlie, about right. All right, let's let's dive right in for our initial thoughts on this episode. Charles, initial thoughts, fire-bending masters. The dragons are alive. Yeah. <laughs> Iroh did not, uh, contrary to popular belief, did not kill them. I mean, I thought I liked this episode a lot more than I did, if that makes sense. I think I remember it more fondly, or what it thematically represents more fondly than the actual uh, way they laid out the episode itself. There, there were just things that were a little annoying upon rewatching, which doesn't, which doesn't take away from how um, necessary and how like important the events are, but just didn't feel quite as good as mm-hmm. what I thought. I get kind of mixed feelings here. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I I feel pretty uh, similar to you. I, I I mean I don't I don't. The only difference is I don't actually remember this episode particularly fondly. I've always sort of been a little down on this one, so I wasn't all that surprised by watching it and, and being pretty critical. But for the most part, I, this episode feels like kind of weirdly a dud. For an episode that sh- shouldn't be, like, I don't know. It- it's hard to put my finger on just why I'm so, like, meh about this whole thing. Because there's, like, a lot of cool ideas, but there's also, like, I don't know. I just don't love the execution of, of all of this. Um, I think that's it, right? Because, like, thematically, idea-wise, this should be, like, a, a banger, a, a 9.5 plus out of 10. Yeah. You know, it- it's... It's a physical manifestation of Zuko's emotional swing. Is coming to understand that it you should be fueled by self motivation rather than external objective, but this mechanics don't but even serve. That's kind of not true because at the end he's like, "I have a new purpose." So it's still kind of an external motivation. It's just a different one. I well, but it's it's like not a. Was it, um, I, internal external wasn't sorry like the right way to put it, but like uh, uh, it's like you can always work towards the latter. It's, it's like an intangible goal, like balancing the world. Yeah, mm-hmm. even even uh, you know in Korra, the world is not balanced. Um, so it's like something you can strive. To- to forever 
Whereas capturing the avatar or catching up to the avatar, it's like, all right, you did it. That's it. I mean, that's that that's fair, but I and maybe we'll just we can just kind of dive right into this. I I, I think part of the reason this episode sort of feels so weird to me is how little they sell me on a difference in Zuko's mental state actually happening here. Like Zuko, we like Zuko says like I don't have I don't have the the, the anger anymore and he just like literally can't firebend. But he could firebend last like last week. I mean, I guess in theory this was probably like yesterday or the day before when he's firebending when he burns uh Toph's feet, which we talked about at length last week and in that kind of fight with with Combustion Man. So it's not the act of betraying the Fire Nation that causes this. It's like actually being accepted by Aang and the group that like where it finally manifests when it like sort of finally manifests itself. And I don't know, it this to me feels like the kind of thing that needed a little bit more like I I feel like I needed to see it more. Like I feel like I, we need we should have seen a, a change in Zuko's mental state. And then sort of the, the firebending as well. I also find it was, like, really easy, if that makes sense. Like, we go from Zuko can't firebend. And it's just, like, it's because I don't have rage anymore. It was, like, like a scene and a half before they figured out that, like, it's because of his mental state, which I think is odd. Like, I kind of, I feel like we could have had, we could have had more to that. Uh, I, I guess ideally, um, granted, from a show, from a super meta show, show structuring point, where we're kind of running low on the, <laughs> the number of allotted episodes left for the season. Yeah. So, yeah, um, you probably, they have probably had to, yeah, take some directional cuts here and there, but I, I don't think it's that, I mean... Yes, it's abrupt to us as a viewer. Um, but to me, I thought it was a kind of... From this, you know, meta Aunt Wu being able to see the show, the universe in its entirety, um, the uh, continuously ongoing and updated comics aside, the universe in its entirety, it, it kind of... I wasn't as upset by that. Just because it's like, I, we see, what, it's like the second episode of the first season, we see Iroh talks to Zuko about that? I mean, we, I under, I kind of, it sounds to me like what you're saying kind of is, Zuko, A, there's only, we only have time for one episode of this. Like, between now and the finale, we have Boiling Rock 1 and 2, which I love and I'm happy is a two-parter. Southern Raiders, totally necessary episode. Ember Island players are sort of catch-up, you know, remembrances thing. And then the finale. So there isn't, like, time to, like, bake this into stories. And I I get that because there was no time for this last week. And we we clearly don't have time for this next week either. So it's kind of, yes, it needs to be condensed into a single story. But I'm a little, like... I don't know. I feel like if you're going to sell me on, like, Zuko has completely lost his firebending and needs to needs to go out and, like, 
get and kind of get it back to some extent. I I almost think if 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 you're going with that ambitious of a story goal, is it almost like, well, they knew how much time they had. Because there's a version of this episode that's take out the Zuko can't firebend. And instead it's like Zuko is thinking back on the things Iroh has taught him and thinks we are going to go to the Sun Warrior temple to just learn from that. Like you take out this Zuko needs this thing. And this episode doesn't really change. Right? It, I mean, but then they don't have as strong an incentive because, like, an in-universe incentive. I mean, yeah, but I um, do kind of think that if you put Zuko and Aang in on a zany adventure, they're going to do it. Like, I'm not... I guess I... I know what you're saying, and, and yeah, maybe, like, they don't take the trial with the Sun Warriors, or maybe they don't, you know quote-unquote go is all out but i don't i kind of this feels and maybe this is maybe this is the crux of what i'm of my why i'm feeling weird about this in that on one hand the bones of this story is zuko has realized that his entire emotional uh, state everything about the way he conducts himself has is wrong and has been wrong and he needs to find a new purpose and center to conduct his energy and his firebending. And in order to do that, they go on this adventure to meet this ancient uh, sect of, of, of firebenders and learn from a dragon and all that stuff. And that's sort of like the bones of it. But on the execution, it kind of just feels like Zuko and Aang go on zany adventure and they learn a dance. <laughs> I suppose that's one way to categorize it. Um, and I kind of feel like those two things are weirdly out of sync with one another. Because remember, like, on some level, then these four episodes are, and this is canon because Toph says it, are like life-changing field trips with Zuka. Like, that's kind of what these all are. And I'm a little, like, I don't know. I don't entirely get the sense that they're that things have fundamentally changed for for them i'm not i'm not sure i buy it because it's like zuko already made the decision that it's that he needs to work against his father and work to teach ang firebending i don't entirely know what he learned um I think there's a distinguishing point between because it's very I shouldn't say it's very possible to envision uh, a, a more corrupt version of Zuko who doesn't actually want to balance the world. I mean, in the whole context of the story, it's unlikely. But if he if his character was worse from the beginning but a version of him where it's um actually he wants to dethrone his father and his sister uh, but not for the benefit of the world as a whole but isn't that haven't we already done that with the whole you have your swords 
take me out? And he says, no, stopping you is the Avatar's destiny? Like, haven't we already had this conversation of Zuko realizing that Zuko... Because I kind of understand what you're saying if you were to sort of think of Zuko as entirely as an... Like, as going from villain to anti-hero. Where, like, he's still bad. He just happens to be on the side that we're rooting for. But he's still willing to, like, burn everything to the ground. Like, let's imagine a world where Azula teams up with Team Avatar because she secretly wants the throne and will take out her father. Yeah, that that, that would be a pretty comparable scenario. Okay, yeah. that's, that's the anti-hero... But Azula needs to learn that her motivations were wrong the whole time and that she needs to sort of, you know, come to to realize balance. But Zuko's already there. We've already had this. Zuko's not an anti-hero at this point. He's just a hero. Like, he's already made it clear that he knows that the son killing the father and taking the throne even if the goal is to stop the war, is still, as Arrow is going to say in the finale, going to be remembered as more senseless violence. He instinctively knows that it's it's the Aang's job to defeat the Fire Lord. It is his job to teach Aang firebending and help Aang to do it. And I'm confused by what in this... How is Zuko's mental state in in the beginning of the episode different from the end? What has he actually learned? Also, just kind of as an aside, we are, we're kind of... This episode's... Because it has such a linear plot, we're, but not that much happens, I think we're just going to kind of do this discussion-y thing as opposed to, like, going scene by scene because I, I, don't, I don't think there's that much to talk about scene by scene. There are things we'll bring up kind of when we get done, but... We can, we can talk about Katara spitting fire. Spin some sick we, we, we we will believe me, but this is this this kind of to me this is the crux of the episode, and I think that it's there's not really a good place for this conversation in the context of the episode. It's kind of just the whole episode. Yeah, I mean, sure, that, that that's you know, it's a fair reading of uh, that there wasn't a change. That yeah, he's realized that Ang has to. On the other hand, you know, if you. Read Zuko is even more politically adept. He can read that. Yeah, it's wrong for him to kill his father, but <laughs> but he still wants the Fire Nation as a whole to prosper more than he wants the other cultures, nations, world to be in balance. Like. Well, it's also a good example that that would have been exactly the play. Uh, if she was adept to know enough to know that uh, Fatra's side would be, you know, not looked upon well by the people of her own country mm-hmm. or the yeah. world internationally, let, you know, quote-unquote the hero take down the tyrant and then seize power in the ensuing vacuum. Okay. And then, and then, yeah, maybe you can't uh, go the whole world domination route in the same manner. But, but you. But my counter to that would be one. I don't think that's Zuko. And two. Well, sure. But but two, and I think more importantly, even if that was the case, 
what in this episode changed that? Like, this wasn't Zuko has to let... All right, let's kind of look at a different episode. This isn't like Painted Lady, where it's like Zuko has to realize that the needs of ordinary people are more important than the needs of this military um, industrial plant. That, in theory, like, if you're patriotic, you can say, you know what, they're making weapons for the Fire Nation, which is important for the security of our homeland, and you know what, this, this town, who cares? The importance is the fire. Like, it's not that. Zuko's not realizing it's wrong. Zuko is not, like, let's go kill some dragons. Like, he already knows that's bad. It's not like the Sun Warriors were, like, it'd be another thing if the Sun Warriors were an example, genocided by Sozin or Ozai or Azulon, where it's like relatively recent history. And he thinks of the Sun Warriors as these savages who were needed to be like removed because they were killing people. Like, no, they died thousands of years ago. It's like, yeah, it's a it's a nice scene at the end when they see the, the, the colors of the fire. And Zuko says, I understand. I have no idea what he understands. I mean, you could argue that dragons have been sighted by that lineage of people. Say again? You could argue that dragons were genocided by uh, Zuko's parental lineage. That That's between... true, but it's not like Zuko's proud of that. It's, it's, I, um, what I'm saying, I'm, I, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm pushing back on this because I just, I feel like if this episode is just Aang and Zuko go on zany adventure, I think it's fine. Like, it works reasonably well. There are some good jokes in it. There are actually some really nice shots of Zuko and Aang up in the front of the sun and the dance with the dragons and just, you know, the look is really cool. Like, there are some really cool parts of this episode. But if all that's there, all I'm getting is Zuko and Ango on Zany Adventure. And I feel like the beginning of this episode set up. No, no, this is like, this is the last, because really this is one of the last, if not the last, true explorations of Zuko's character. Because if you really think about it, even though he is a major player in the next two episodes, the next episode is, Boiling Rock is about Sokka. And Sokka coming to terms with his failure at the invasion and saving his father and all of that. And Southern Raiders is about Katara. It's all about Katara's mental state and, and where she is. Ember Island Players is whatever. And then the finale is really about Aang and Aang's internal mental state. So in, in many ways, like, this is kind of the, the, the last episode of Zuko's, not his arc, because obviously his arc needs to end with A, defeating Azula, and B, kind of becoming Fire Lord. But this is kind of the end of the exploration of Zuko's internal character. There are little bits and pieces in the next two. There's some stuff with Mei, there's some stuff with Katara, but really, this is the end and it just, to me, feels so, like, eh, I don't know. That was fun. Mm. And I would have yeah, been I fine, mean, again, I would have been fine with it if it was just literally billed as 
the zany field trip. But I feel like they they sold me in the beginning on this is no, this is gonna be where does Zuko's power come from? Zuko has been fueled by rage and now he needs to be fueled by by something else. But we never really get the what that something else is. I I guess I mean I I, I always interpreted it as more of a, a firebending more so than the other types comes from a it is not like a no that's that's not good because firebending like is desire creation. based well because it's creation and not um movement of something manipulation. Not manipulation it requires sort of a visualization to cr- to create something right and i mean it, i always had it as something like a you can't the pursuit of material goal is always fading is that that might not be the right word but that, i'm not not enough brain cells right now to pick up an appropriate <laughs> but like I, you know i kind of what you're i guess what you're trying to say is that if if the entirety of your firebending is built around a this this external goal of the thing you're trying to do in zuko's case capture ang regain your honor that you can eventually lose that goal and then you have nothing you have nothing to latch on to yeah and I mean, this. There are reflections of that in your life too. You could set a goal, and people do this to say that, "Oh, I'm gonna make X amount of money throughout my life. I'm gonna save up X, you know, number of dollars." Mm-hmm. And then once they do, it's like, "Well, fuck. What do you do now?" Well, and then they just kind of don't. Or some, depending on how old some of them retire, and just don't do anything and that's fine but it, it doesn't continue to drive them past but, that point or it's much harder not, to set Zuko's not sitting on his couch watching reruns of Law and Order like no, he has the, a goal the... T-Chang Fire Nation bending he has another goal take down the, the Fire Lord and, and stop the Fire Nation and stop the right, war right but, but, but goal A does not require his own bending to be powerful to do so and goal B he's pretty much leaving up to Aang Okay, but then what? what's different at the end? He specifically says, my goal is to stop the viral nation. Like, what, what's changed? I'm, I'm, that's, what that's what I'm not getting. What's the, what's the, 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 the break here? Oh, I, I mean, I, uh, I, 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 like, skims through this episode, if that makes sense. Like, I, I, I uh, hit the jump button a couple times. <laughs> But I, I thought the motivation is now that now and going forward, Zuko is going to devote himself to the betterment of the world as a whole. And to do so, he has to lead by example. Or he will have to lead by example. I don't know. That seems... I mean... Maybe I'm not getting it. 
I'm just not. Like, again, he specifically says at the end of the episode, my goal is to stop the Fire Nation. I, I don't know what you can, again, like, and this is. What, what does he say in the fire? Because I, he just I, says I understand. All he says is I understand. Or I see now, I think it's exactly. I thought but, he says something about he understands his goals to bring balance. I might be no, wrong. No, we never you never actually hear him say anything about balance. But here but here's like th- this to me is one of the problems that can that st- sometimes these stories can run into. And this in many ways is often often a Star Wars problem too, but firebending doesn't care which side of the conflict you're on. Like, we know that Aang and now Zuko are on the good side because we are sort of... Because of the way the show is shot and framed, the the Fire Nation is implicitly the bad guy and everyone else is the good guy. But, like... Yeah, he, he mentions the balancing after the... Uh... It's after the fire, but before the, before the uh, dance, or not before the, before the um, before they joined back up with uh, the others. Oh no! Yeah, he says it being in balance with nature. He says that because it's like the sun being in balance. Yeah, with I don't have the yeah I don't have the line yeah, specific, yeah. but yeah. it's in there but somewhere. That. And that's true, and we did hear that once from Zhang Zhang about the sun, but we're still, like, the end of this episode is not Zuko has decided to become a Jedi, for lack I of mean, a better term. Like, I don't, know, I don't know what you're talking about. He's pretty uh, Obi-Wan Nation Korra. He had been king, he had been Fire Lord for 30 years. Yeah, that I mean, he's pretty Obi Wan. Well, he's been Fire Lord for like sixty years. I mean, yeah, pretty asking. Been a rhyme after uh, Anakin slaughtered all of all of the other Jedi. Oh, Corey's gonna be so mad that we got, we got into Star Wars without him. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm just saying. Look, no, no, in, I, in Episode that, Four, <laughs> that's fine. What I'm what I'm saying though is I'm not I'm not getting that like. Zuko went from I am a passive part of all of this where I'm going to just kind of put, you know, give Aang a little push and he's going to take care of all this and now he's like I must be active, I have goals again. I'm not I'm not getting that. I'm really not. Like I'm just I I I think that implicitly and this is what I was getting at before I was sort of saying the Star Wars thing is that they're kind of making the point that Zuko was evil and he was fueled by evil and now he is good and he needs to learn how to be fueled by good. The problem is that assume that that means that evil and good are like fundamental things. And I mean, I guess technically that since Vatu and Rava exist, <laughs> all right all right they all right. are right i'm gonna be very clear this is something i thought of while i was having spelling out this thought so i've put zero thought into this 
But I'm going to lay out a counter to everything I've been saying this whole time, which is as classic us as you can get on this fucking show. Okay. Okay. So, for his entire life, or not entire life, but ever since he was burned, Zuko has been drawing on Vatu's power, the implicit power of evil, for his firebending. And now that he has joined the side of the light, and until Aang accepted him, until Rava accepted him, he was not able... Like, that's this is why he doesn't... He's able to firebend before they accept him, but after he left... In that case, he's, he's still on that side. But now that Rava has accepted him, he needs to learn how to draw on Rava's power for firebending. You and did in that fire tornado, <laughs> he saw Rava's power. All right, that's it. 10 out of 10. Best episode <laughs> of the series. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for joining in. We'll see you guys next week. I I do not believe what I just said, but it's I mean, not a, the craziest thing I've ever said on this show. I, I don't know that if if you count Korra as canon in the context, it is. Of last, well, I mean. But I don't think they had planned out those elements of the story. It's actually at this not true. The, oh, they had that beginnings one and two were supposed to be in Last Airbender, but they just couldn't find. Oh it. well. <laughs> That's I mean, a very that... great transition, Charles, because I wanted to talk about that specifically those episodes. So we're gonna have this is a great transition. Then we're gonna go right into that. So. <laughs> One thing a lot of people talk about when they're annoyed at Korra is the explanation in this episode for where bending came from. Firebending was learnt, taught to by the dragons, earthbending by badger moles, sky bison, and the moon. And then in, in Korra, we see that it's the lion turtles. I personally have never had a problem with this because I've always looked at it as because not everyone can learn bending. It is we see hard coded genetics outside of harmonic convergence. Pretend like that. Ignore that for a second. We know it's like waterbenders are only born from the water tribe and therefore and only people who were born waterbenders can learn waterbending. There's actually nothing, nothing about these two things don't uh, clashes with each other because the the lion turtles were what sort of put the power of bending into people, but they can still. Where did they actually learn the sort of mechanics of it? Well, from the kind of original benders, whether it's the bison or the or the dragons, etc. Do you do you agree with that, or do you think that there's actually kind of a retcon here that they, these two things don't fully make sense? Alright, I, I lost like half of that to Robot Echo, but I, I, I think I think I got do you what have you were saying. Some TLDR, I, do you have a problem with this episode and beginnings as both explanations of where Benning came from? No. Um 
I mean, I, I never had a problem with it. Uh, and that's just because I always read Creatures of the World as closure to spirits regardless. Mm-hmm. And we see in... I mean, in, in the manifestation, various manifestations of the spirit world at various parts of horror are very inherently supernatural. So it's like, I, I don't have the... I don't have a problem with the Lion Turtles source of human of the ability to bend. That makes sense. Yeah. Although I always did wonder about the genetics thing because uh, the hell element is dominant genetically. <laughs> like, neither. Neither element is dominant. Because we've seen because we've seen that if you have both, like if you have children of both, one can you know, uh, Mako's a firebender and Bolin's an earthbender. Right, but from, like, real world genetics, does that mean that they got one of each and it just coin flipped? My my guess is... It's like someone bending, had it, like, so there's no dominant recessive, it's just... No, 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 my, yeah. the way I would bet it would work is that bending is a recessive trait, the ability to bend is recessive sure. because it has to be if brother and sister are not. Well, I guess that's not necessarily true, but yeah, wait. <laughs> it's more like I think it's more likely than not. But what element you can bend is a different gene. I think that they're two, they can be two separate genes. Yeah, but so. Okay, so what I mean is between those, you read them as neither dominant or recessive, just equivalent. So it's like, it's as though uh, in real life, someone had, this is a terrible example because we know one is dominant, but, you know, what, what one parent has blonde hair, one parent has black hair, their kid has uh, brown hair or light brown hair or something. That it's just mm-hmm. like a mix between the two, yeah. or or the kid either either had blonde or black hair. But the reason I, because the reason I say this is because the, this is not necessarily proven, but it's extremely likely considering what we've seen during harmonic convergence. The only people who get bending are non-bending children of bending parents. Yeah, that's true. So that leads me to believe that ability to bend and what element you can bend are kind of not necessarily the same thing genetically. So like Opal had the ability to bend, but she didn't get the earth bending gene. So therefore her body was primed for the airbending to come in kind of like i don't know i mean i we also don't necessarily know how genetics works in this universe so it is a little bit complicated but anyway yeah so i I don't i don't have a problem or you could read it and this is how i read it for a long time is that um the, the the uh turtles are the origins of the powers for humans but the uh, badger moles, air bison, dragons, and 
Paul and the Moon are the uh, like uh, the natural wielders and or originators of the technique. Yeah. So it's like I, the yeah, that's exactly what I technique think. versus the power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, just a couple of little things, kind of I want to talk through, and then there's kind of one little final conversation we'll have. Um, as I said before, there's a, there's a bunch of really cool shots in this episode. Um, I really like the way the the Sun Warrior civilization looks. All the shots with the sun are really, like, they fit really well with the kind of, it's the Sun Warriors, they're learning firebending, it just, it looks really great. Um, I do have to say, I feel like I did that test, like, way too many times in Breath of the Wild. (laughs) Full disclosure, I never played Breath of the Wild. I I never went out and bought it, just because... I didn't go out and buy it either, I I, I stole it from Charles. I bought it, because... <laughs> nice um but yeah there, there are multiple uh like you need to go get special fire from the furnace over there and carry it back here and it's like really oh. annoying because you have to like light lanterns and stuff um and i was like i feel for you ang that that's that's tough um i also have to say it's really weird that that music is now canonical diegetic music <laughs> yeah did you I mean, buy that that was coming out of their mouths no because i didn't even for a second and that kind of took me out of the episode a little bit it was a little like all right guys c- come on like i feel like they didn't have to go full into the sound effect and they could have like turned it down a little bit but had the same kind of like the melody i don't know it was a little much yeah, no, I, I I was a little, it was pretty weird. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, the show's been campy on and off the entire time, so kind of that's fair. Uh, um, I really like perhaps. Zuko tricking the uh, sun, uh, the the sunstone, because I it's oh, like yeah. a nice callback to Zuko like tricking the uh, tricking the door in the um, in the fire temple and um, back during Avatar Roku. And that was kind of like, oh, nice, you, you know, little technology, little uh, reflections, nice. Um, <laughs> all right, so I, I know you kind of skimmed it, but I really did could not stand the moment right before the dragons came out when Aang's flame goes out and Zuko's like, doesn't just give him some. I'm like so confused as to what the hell he was doing there. He's like, Go get it from those guys who are like forty stories down. The- like, what the fuck are you talking about, Zuko? Just give him some of the fucking fire. <laughs> like that was such a weird fight, and I don't fucking get it. I don't know, I'm personal uh, on this one, but I was so confused by that. It just felt so weird and contrived. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't really get it either. Although. What was it? It's like no, you know, uh, yeah. Never mind. I, I don't really get. It. I was gonna say like, oh, maybe Zuko's trying to be super traditional about it or something, but no, he cheated the other thing. So no, <laughs> I don't know. I don't get it. Um, they memorized. The they, they memorized those dance oh, no. steps real fast. Hey, 
they did it once, and then it's like, let's just do the dance again, and they're like perfectly in sync with the dragons. That's a little like, this seems like something you need to work on. I know Aang is a, a great dancer, but. I mean, Zuko's not bad either, right? Well, no, but I don't think we've actually seen Zuko dance before. We've actually seen Aang dance. No, that's right. They don't, um, we don't actually see dance for Island. Nope. Um. Well, I don't know. All, all I'll say to that is terror can mean uh, your cramming works pretty well. Maybe. Um, the, um... Anybody studying for their finals at five in the morning, right before, can testify pretty well <laughs> got a point there um and in, in true to form man did i not like the jokes at the end the like we're gonna lock you up just kidding but don't tell us that don't tell anyone that we're here i was just like no shut up don't want to hear from you on this because maybe that's another thing where it's like the fact that the Sun Warrior civilization exists, but no one knows, is like, I don't know, kind of hard to believe. I kind of, I didn't have a problem with that. Like, the world is so fragmented right now. But again, like, it's it, not like they disappeared five, 200 years ago. They disappeared thousands of years ago. Yeah, but who was looking for them in the intervening period? I don't know, I already found like, them. Yeah, but come on, Iroh is like. I yes. Iroh is like the most canon breaking. I'm not <laughs> saying it's that big a deal. I'm saying that like the weird like joke of like don't tell anyone to me felt felt very flat. That's all I'm saying. Like it was just like, oh, you're this secret civilization. Yeah, I don't know. I don't like it. I'm becoming I mean, very anti-comedy in this show, aren't I? No, I mean. So, is is you just didn't like that they delivered it as a joke? The way the yeah, way I they did it, the way they did the joke, I didn't like. Yeah, that that's fine. I, I kind of feel. Um, all right. So the last it, thing I want to talk about, and this is, goes all the way back to the beginning of the episode, but you weren't here last week, so you don't. You weren't there for the big fight that Corey and I got into. And I want to have uh, that fight again, <laughs> but without Corey. <laughs> it's really fun when I can dance on his grave for him being wrong. Oh, boy. So last yes, uh... week, we, we got into a very heated discussion about whether or not Katara actually would have killed Zuko if Zuko, to quote uh, Molly Weasley, put another toe out of line. So first, I want you to weigh in. We're, Do you we're think... all over the place with references. Do you today, think Katara could have killed Zuko? Yeah. Don't. 
Ah, uh, because <laughs> my argument was for sure. I think for sure if Zuko gave Katara a reason to, she would have killed Zuko. Corey said no, it was an empty threat. The reason... I think it was empty, but I, I I have a hard time saying that for sure because I, throughout the series we've seen Katara's character be at like very morally strong and morally gray or dark to say the least. Um, so it's definitely not empty. But at the same time, I, I think we see her show a lot of restraint in certain situations, and it's like, given that this is the only way to, they don't have any other firebending masters available. <laughs> we know well, I'm, not, I'm saying if Zuko actually betrayed them, if Zuko actually betrayed Aang, I think she would have. I really, I really do. I guess it's like to what extent? Yeah, if he, did, if Zuko did something really like a true betrayal, I don't really know how to. If we these had a, oh, if we had a repeat of well, the book two finale, if Azula showed up and Zuko oh, saw yeah, yeah. unequivocally, um, yeah. I think Katara would have killed him. I don't. I, I don't think it would have even been much. Of a, I mean, obviously, it would have been a question of whether she could, like, do it from a ability standpoint. But like, if she got the emotionally, opportunity, emotionally, yeah. I think she would. And yeah, yeah. so I bring I bring that up because I I love that scene last week, and I actually I really like Katara here with her with her you know, like really throwing shade at Zuko and her like laughing at the irony that he can't firebend like. There's something again, like very out of char- like out of normal character from Katara with like her laughing like that, but it's like a little bit of little funny, but also like totally true, and it is a an actual use of irony, and you know whenever a show gets irony right, that's a good thing. And I I don't know, I think that they sell the animosity that's that that really is there between the two of them, or especially from from Katara. Yeah, I'd agree to that. I mean, it's not like we don't have context for that. They've built it up over a really long period and been mm-hmm. small and large incidents that yeah. make that oh, no, totally... Definitely um, there is. I, I, what I'm saying is that the... Um... Yeah, I mean, look, I, I agree with you that in the context of like, a, a major betrayal... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. She she would have made the attempt. Yeah, what I, what, I, what I mean though is that because, I and I think you know to some extent, kind of the, the, with the theme of this entire episode, where I think this is like a very kind of half, like a really half-assed attempt at this whole Zuko thing. They really do put the time and effort into sell that there is like Katara really does have a genuine problem with Zuko, and I think that they're. The fact that they put in that time in this episode and the previous one just kind of throughout this whole thing is a really it's a positive it's a positive for, for where they're going with with, with that character with that character's relationship to culminate in kind of Zuko saving her and, and, and her eventually saving him. Like there 
And again, I am not a Zutara shipper. I hate Zutara as a, as a ship, but... Cannon shipper, boo. Hey, hey. But I think they do a good... <laughs> oh, this might be your most important Zoo Kang episode of the entire series, bro. I don't know what you're talking about. There's there's a lot in the comics. That's fine, but this is them dancing together. That's a big deal. I mean, slept together. They spent a lot of time alone. They were huddled around the fire, trapped in glue. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of shipping moments. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not saying that there aren't. I'm just saying that this is one of your most important ones. Nah, this is too. This is too, uh, canon. It's too, um, plot relevant to work for shipping. Uh, I, I, no, no. But, actually, that, that was why, joking aside, the, the love-focused episodes were the ones that I had, that I was most annoyed about the canon shipping, but the portions that they show in context of other things where you see their relationship like change or develop was actually the so portions I like most about you just the... can't wait for Ember Island players and Aang's failed attempts at romance <sighs> okay. that, that, about, that about sums it up right. <laughs> so with that let's 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 wrap this thing up we've kind of had a, a pretty full episode discussion as as a whole thing, so I think we can kind of keep our final thoughts kind of on the shorter end, but kind of give us our ratings and, and get out of here. So, go ahead. Uh, you know, I there are problems with this. And in the context of our discussion, the more... I reflect on them, the more annoyed, <laughs> the more annoyed I get, mm-hmm. which is probably not a good thing. No. But, but, uh, yeah. It, I mean, we haven't really talked about it as much um, recently, but I'll say it again. We said it like every episode during the first season, and I feel obligated. Man, the show is visually great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Like, as much as, you know, the campiness... Oh, no, this is um, one of the better visual episodes. I don't deny that on any level. Yeah. I, fire, the Sun Warrior design, the... Like, how they set up the the stages. It, it's it's fantastic. The, the, the shot... The, you know, the shot choice... It's, it's great. Um, plot-wise, talk to Uh, I, I'll, I'll give the episode. I'll, I'll give the episode. I'm not sure. I didn't actually, the, hear your number. Oh, sorry. I'll, I'll give it an eight. All right. I'm not sure. Well, that that might be skewed in context of what I've been watching recently, but it, comparing it to TV I've been watching recently. I'd say it's a bad yeah. Mm. Uh, I'm a little lower. I'll say this. One, you did kind of give me a nice little reminder. The visuals in the episode are great. 
And you know, if you wanna if you wanna play this Ravavatu theory, which is you know kind of intriguing, and the, canon. the kind of dumb, silly things we talk about on this on this podcast. Maybe Wait, there's you you just said they knew about that before this episode, so it actually is canon. I, I I'm not saying it isn't. I'm just saying I don't know if that's what they were going for. But okay. I'm not quite as low as maybe I, 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 I could be, but I don't know. I still think this episode is definitely a pretty cut below a lot of other ep- Avatar episodes. Um I give this a six point eight out of ten. It's still still in the in the good approaching on very good range. Like the visuals really are the star of the show here, but just not not quite enough. So with that, thank you, uh, Charles, for being here, taking time out of your busy law school schedule, and uh, thank you to everyone for for listening. We will be back. Uh, we're going to split up uh, Boiling Rock one and two into into separate episodes, and, and we'll do those as kind of normal individualized episodes, even though it's a two parter because it's. Um, I think those two episodes are pretty distinct from one another in terms of the stories they tell. So, um, look for that that next week, and then you know, keep rocketing forward into into the end of the show. So that's exciting. Uh, it, it's it's we're we're about to go from a pretty high high to a not so great place. And- overall series yeah, yeah. I mean I, I don't know how we're you're going to defend season we're one of Korra the, Mark we're not having yes we will get it's season it's book two that's the problem man we'll get there we'll get through it I don't think season one set was that great either <laughs> just think of Zaheer just think of Zaheer we'll be okay <laughs> plus remember only 13 episode book so it's shorter yeah, you're right. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Although that might have been what made those books not as great as they could have been. I'm ending this. We're out. We're not, <laughs> we're not having a referendum on books one and two of Gora right now. We'll have plenty of time for that. All right. We'll see you guys.